Luke chapter number 10 tonight. We're going to be starting off, off there. Um, there's two passages we're going to be looking at, one in Luke chapter 10 and one in John chapter 12. As we are starting sort of another busy season, if you will, in the life of the church, it's, a, it's an exciting time, right? I love vacation Bible school, always have. Right? You love it when you're a kid, but I, I learned that as an adult and helping and, and running and planning and doing VBS and stuff, you have just as much fun sometimes. You really do. You, you might have a little bit of stress and you might sweat and, and you might be a, a little work throughout that week, but, but boy, is it fun, right? And then we got the 4th of July coming up. We've got just daily life and all, the, all this business and all these things happening. And certainly, as we're coming out of whatever you want to call the past couple of years, besides anything but a whirlwind, right? It, is, it has been chaos. It has been seemingly so many downs. But I want you to know that as we are coming out of these times, and even just coming out of yesterday, we've got to get to this place as a church. But even before we get to this place as a church, we have to get to this place individually, where we understand that things are not so much important as far as doing but more so about being, and even more specifically, what we're going to look at tonight is that as we are moving forward as a church, as we're moving forward as individuals, that we've got to understand that the only way to do so is going to be finding ourselves at the the right place. And that place to be is going to be found at Jesus' feet. We've got to see here that tonight we've got lots of busyness coming up. We've got lots of things in our minds. We've got lots of things on our to-do list, right? I've got a to-do list that I make every Monday, and, and I like to check those things off. I scratch them out, right? But throughout the week, you know what happens at to-do list? It, it grows. It doesn't shrink, right? Even though you check things off, that's just what happens. But here's the issue is that we get so busy sometimes that we forget that the greatest thing that you and I can ever do, will ever do, is to sit at the feet of Christ. Now look here. Tonight, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. This is going to be our first passage tonight. And then we're going to get into John chapter 12. We're going to see kind of where we're going here. So now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I'm afraid that most of us in the modern church, most of us in our modern hearts and the way in which we live our lives, whether you're in ministry, not in ministry, whether you've been saved for a minute or saved for a lifetime, we get to a place at times where we get so busy, we get so wrapped up in everything that we forget that the most important thing is being in the presence of God. And as we get into a busy time in the life of the church, we are at a, at a, at a dangerous place as well. I'm excited about Vacation Bible School. I'm excited already about Fall Revival and, and Christmas caroling and all these things. But all these things are just things unless we first spend time at the feet of Jesus. Unless we first sit and understand and absorb and abide in the Word of God and in the worship of God, then the work of God does not matter because we can accomplish many things without God and nothing be really accomplished. And I want to make sure that our hearts and that my heart, as we are getting into this season, that we understand that while working like Martha might not be bad, it's not bad to serve the Lord, but long before we work for the Lord, 
We've got to be worshiping. And that our work for the Lord, Vacation Bible School, men's ministry, women's ministry, nursery, sound, security, uh, flowers, cleaning, Christmas caroling, writing cards, whatever you do, if it's not being done out of an overflow of your worship of the Lord, then it's being done in your strength and in your flesh, and it is nothing. It's wood, hay, and stubble. First of all, let's look here tonight at this passage, and we're going to see how the Word is far more important than work at times. It truly is. We often think, because we're so outward-focused in our nation, we're outward-focused in our churches, and it used to not be so much. There used to be a time when the church house was, was one room. It was one building. And you say, well, that's just because it was simpler back then. Yes, it was, and I believe for a reason. You came to old country churches, or even any church for that matter, 100, 150 years ago, even 120 years ago, somewhere in there, and what you've got is one room, and it was the church house. And even more specifically, the sanctuary where the people of God met with God. And the focus was not so much about all the clutter, all the busyness, all the quote-unquote ministries, but it was about meeting in the presence of God. And the people were changed by that. And during that time, it was simply enough and it was sufficient to just meet with God. And everything else that would take place beyond that, that's just extra and icing on the cake and cherries on top. We've got to understand that when it comes to church, when it comes to not just church, but our own hearts tonight, that while we can have the cherry on top and we can have the icing, that the biggest thing that we need is the simplest thing, and that is to know the Lord and be in His presence. To be overwhelmed by His presence. To be enthralled and absorbed. To be so focused on His presence that at the end of the day, nothing else matters. So that when you and I come into these four walls, it does not matter who wore what, who said what, who thought what, who did what, what the song was like and if the technology worked, but all that mattered is that you came and met with God and God met with you. As we look here, it says that Martha receives them in their house and, and she was, in verse 40, described as cumbered about with much serving. I'm afraid that if we were to look at the average church and the average Christian, what would be described about us is not that we sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word, but that we were cumbered about. Even at times, cumbered about with much serving. What do we know about that? Well, she's serving. That's not a bad thing. It sounds so humble. It sounds so good. There's lots of work taking place. There's lots of things taking place. She's a good servant, a good hostess. She loves Jesus, but she yet misses Jesus for all the work that is supposed to be done for Him. And I'm afraid that in our modern churches and and as we are starting to start things back up, if you will, that we've got to understand that as we do these things, we've got to know that it is not about the mass quantity of things that we do, but it is rather that in everything that we do, even if the only thing that we do is sit at the feet of Jesus, that is what's going to drive everything else. Because if we never sit at the feet of Jesus, then we will never go be the hands and feet of Jesus in a community. If we are never surrendered to Him and to His Word and to worship daily in our hearts and our lives, daily surrendered and consecrated to the work of the Lord and the leading of the Holy Spirit, not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesday nights, not just Sunday nights, not just Sunday school, but daily, every moment that we have in this life. I believe we'd see real changes if we did such. But I believe that what we've got is that we have replaced busyness 
for the Bible. Rather, we've exchanged the Bible for for business. We've exchanged sitting at Jesus' feet in worship for, well, I've got to go, 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 go. Like you, I want to go, 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 go as well. We want things to be happening. We want things to be moving. Sometimes the best way to move forward, the way in which we can move miles and even mountains, is not so much by us running, but by us simply sitting at the feet of Christ. You see, there was Martha working. Jesus was there in the same house. Mary was there in the same house. The disciples are there in the same house. But she misses so much. See, we miss the real work of God when we neglect the real worship of God. Because we can work for the Lord day and night until we're tired, and we will get very tired working for the Lord, especially when we do things in the flesh. But the issue is that she was focused on the task at hand, which sounds good, right? Because we want to focus on what's right here in front of us, but she missed what was right there in front of her that very night. I'm afraid that many of us when we come to church, many of us when we wake up, or even when we just read our Bible or have our little time of prayer, whatever it might be, whatever your routine is, whatever your daily walk looks like, is that we become so focused on the task at hand that the task at hand becomes just a thing to check off and that we forget that the great task at hand is not so much what we do, but rather who we are in sitting in the presence of God. That we are sometimes so focused on what we're supposed to do for the Lord that we forget that the great focus is who we're supposed to be with and in and through the Lord. That we miss the presence of God who's in the room. See, working in the flesh causes us some great issues. How many times have we done church work How many times have we done ministry, right? And we'll say it's ministry because oftentimes it is ministry or it's labeled ministry at least. We become frustrated. We get flustered. Everything seems to go awry. And we go, well, I'm serving the Lord, so how come I'm just so frustrated? If I can be honest with you as a pastor, it happens to pastors too. So if it happens to you, don't feel so bad. It's happened to Pastor Joe a few times this week. See, how many of us get frustrated in the work of the Lord because we stop doing the work for the Lord? We don't stop the work, but the issue that we have is so many times we become frustrated or the things that we're supposed to be doing fail or we get flustered with our daily life or walk and we become so unsatisfied because the things that we're doing stop becoming for Him and they start becoming for us to make sure that I've gratified my flesh or that I've checked this box off or that so-and-so does this. Or as a pastor, the danger is I I just got to make sure it gets done. I just got to get through this one. I just got to get through this. This is a real danger for every Christian. Our frustration in working is because we're focused on doing the work instead of being surrendered to the very Word of God. One cannot surrender to work if one is not surrendered first to the Word. And this is why we have such a crazy sort of extreme in most churches, right? I mean, let's think about this, honestly. We often hear stuff about, you know, 10% do 100% of the work. We hear stuff like that, right? And 
It ought not be so, should it? Right? We think about though we've got those who are the 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 busy beavers in churches, and they're the workhorses, and they're working, 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 working. And then we've got the others that might not be working, but they're sitting, 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 sitting. Right? I want you to know that there is this beautiful place that I believe God actually calls us to, where we understand that both are necessary, but both are not necessary to do, but to be. I must be sitting at the feet of Jesus in worship in order for me to be moving for the work of God, to be used of God. If I'm not filled by God, how can I be poured out for God? And this is the issue that we've got, is we've got some who replace the Word for work, but then we've got others who go an extra spiritual route and they say, well, I'm, I give any sort of excuse just so I can sit. Not, well, I just need the Word. That, that's right, you do. But if you haven't done anything with it, then you're just sitting there like a bum on a log. So there is this balance that comes here, but what we've got to understand is that it's surrender to the Word before there's a movement in the work. And all of it must be found at Jesus' feet. Because I want to do what He desires. I want to go where He says go. Do what He says do. Not do what I want, think, feel, believe even. All of our planning will never replace prayer. All of our gifts and talents will never replace the work of the Spirit of God. And as we look here, now we, we look at Mary here. And by the way, tonight is not to say Martha was a terrible Christian and Mary was so good. No, rather this is to look not at Martha and Mary and see how good or bad they were, but to see how good it is to be at the feet of Jesus. It's not Martha and Mary's feet that's good. It's not Martha and Mary's presence that's good. It's not Martha and Mary's work or word that's good. It's Christ's word and work that's good. But it says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Now, here the idea is that they're reclining at a table. They didn't have nice farmhouse tables like we might have today. They're sitting on the ground. They got their feet out in front of them. I would do that for you, but if I did that, it'd take about five minutes to get back up. We don't want that tonight. You can imagine, they're, they're sitting down. They're, there's pillows. They have the table. The food's out in front of them. And here, as they're all gathered around, they're laying, they're reclined back, they're eating, they're fellowshipping, they're talking, they're rejoicing, all of these things. There's Martha running around, right? She's serving, she's refilling, all these things. And Mary is there at the feet of Jesus. The idea here is that she is submitted to his teaching and she wants to absorb everything that he's got to say. The food is nice. But even Jesus said, man must not live by bread alone. And so we can enjoy all the extra stuff. It's a part of it. But the greatest joy that there is and the greatest fruit that there ever is, the greatest work that there ever is, is found in listening to the Word of God and then having it applied by the Spirit of God to our hearts that we then would be moved by it. The Word of God is not meant for us just to hear. Nor is the Word of God meant for us to take and to do what we want with it, but rather the Word of God is meant for us to hear Believe and apply by faith the power of the Spirit to then be moved by that Word to accomplish the work. But it begins here at the feet of Christ. What she's doing is what Jesus goes on to call abiding. She is abiding. We must be abiding in the work of the Spirit if there's ever to be real fruit 
or to be real worship or to be real work, it is going to be found at abiding in the presence of God. True work for God only comes from being under the true Word of God. So we see as we move on and we see that she heard the Word, she's absorbing, she's taking it all in. Spurgeon talked a little bit about the difference between the two of them. and He said the the Martha spirit says, if the work is done, is not that all? The Mary spirit asks whether Jesus is well pleased or no. All must be done in His name and by His Spirit or nothing is done. And I believe this is the key here that Spurgeon brought up is that is, is Jesus pleased? So many of us have known that we are saved by grace through faith, but then we think that in order to please God, that we've got to work our way somehow to sanctification and glorification, and it doesn't work that way. God's grace that is sufficient to save is sufficient to sanctify, and it's sufficient to glorify. But in this, what we find is that the whole goal of the Christian life is not so much about what I do, but that I'm resting and abiding in who I am in Christ to please Him. You see, we've used the illustration before talking about you can go do chores as a kid, but to do it with an attitude, you might have gotten it done, but did it please my mom and dad when I huffed and puffed about the trash? No. They were happy the stinky garbage was taken out, but they were not pleased in me. Why? Because what happens is we can do what we know is right and still miss the fact that what we are supposed to be is to please the Lord. What pleases God? The Bible tells us very clear that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So in every time that we gather to hear the word of God, every time that we go to do the work of God, unless it is done by faith. There is no pleasing the Lord. We try so hard sometimes to please with our work, but what ends up happening is that we try to please people with our work or to please our own hearts, or our own minds, or our own expectations with work, and all the while we miss the only person in the room that matters to please, and that's Christ. But Jesus' response here is very important. Jesus answered her because Martha comes and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? What a thought that is. Lord, does this not upset you that I'm having to do all this work while my lazy sister is sitting there? I'm having to do all the work. How many of us get so frustrated at that? We get so frustrated going, I'm doing everything, right? I'm doing it all. Here's the issue. The problem, so many of us get so frustrated in our jobs, in our ministry, in our relationships, in our marriages, is because we are trying to do it. We don't find satisfaction in that. Where do we find satisfaction and rest? Not in me doing it, but in the Lord. And so here he says, then she says to, to him, bid her therefore that she help me. Let me break that down for you. Put it in Carroll County language for you. Tell her to help me. Lord, if you, if you care that I'm doing the work and she's not, tell her to help me. Tell her to get up and come help. Jesus' response to her is, Martha, Martha. 
Thou art careful and troubled about many things. How often we do stuff because we are cumbered about with much work or much serving. We are careful and troubled about many things, meaning we keep working, we keep working, we keep working because we feel like we've got this load on our back that we've got to just keep going. And if we keep going, eventually it'll fall off. The issue is this, that we're trying to do the work that the Lord has already accomplished for us and that the Lord would love to do through us. He does not desire that you would do all this work and carry such a burden, but rather that He would take it. Well, how does He take it? How do we give it to Him? Sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing His Word. Martha says, see, Martha's not doing something wrong. Serving's a good thing, isn't it? She's being a good hostess. But yet, in the middle of doing something that is a good thing to do, she has missed the best thing to do. The real reason behind it. She's done the work, but missed the purpose. Here soon we're going to have Vacation Bible School, aren't we? Right? We're going to have a lot of work that week. It's a part of it. And we can have a whole week of Vacation Bible School and still miss the purpose. Sunday morning's coming. As a pastor, the moment I step down on a Sunday morning, I know that the next Sunday is coming. But the issue at hand is we can come every single Sunday and go through every single service and still miss the purpose. The purpose is in the room. The purpose is not so much about the doing and the serving and the this and the that. It's about the who. Who's there? Who's it for? Christ. He tells her only one thing is needful. To be at His feet. And I love this because what we find is that in our day and age, we have so overcomplicated Christian walk. We have so overcomplicated church. And if we were to boil it all down, one thing is needful for your Christian life. Right? I can, we, the, the Lord solves our Christian walk problem right here. One thing is needful. Be at His feet. Depend upon Him. Fellowship with Him. Know Him. How about for the church? As, as any church, one thing is needful. Christ. That's it. This idea of one thing is interesting. Psalm 27 verse 4 tells us, One thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing. Now, Hebrew and Greek, one thing means one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. What do we find? Temple? House of the Lord? What is that? It's His presence. So when He says here, the psalmist say, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, I would dwell with Him in His presence all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. So what is the one thing that is needful in the Christian life and in the church today? presence of God to be at his feet many of us want to do the work of God but more than wanting to do the work of God we must first want the word and worship of God because if we don't have these two we will never accomplish a thing for the Lord and I would ask this with the one needful thing 
one thing is needful. The focus is Christ here. You see, we often pray. We have devotion time. We have Bible reading. We have church service after church service. But if we do so without Christ being the focus, then all you've done is flip pages on your Bible and sat in silence for a few moments. What we need much more than that is to sit at His feet. Now turn with me to John 12. John chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. The greatest place to be, the greatest thing to do, is to simply find ourselves daily at the feet of Jesus. I believe the very reason why most of us struggle so much with sin, the very reason why many of us are so frustrated with the work of God, so many of us are frustrated with with church and church people, is because we have not done the needful thing for our life. And it's the needful thing that used to be the needful thing for every Christian, but somewhere along the line as technology increased and the homes increased and, and as everything became so busy in our nation and our land and in our homes and our jobs, just daily life, that everything became so focused on this outward busyness that we forgot the needful thing that our four or five generations ago had that we don't. The reason why we talk about powerful revivals then and powerful prayer meetings then, it's not because they were just different. It's not just because God said, I'm going to work 150 years ago and and I'm not going to work in 2022. Rather, the power of all those things is found in the very fact that they understood that all that mattered, that if anything would get accomplished with their work, if they were to be used of God, if they were to build a church, if they were to see soul saved, if they were to see revival, if they were to do anything, whether it was plow a field, be a banker, or whatever it might be, that it must be done at the feet of Jesus. And here we got verses 1-11. through 11. First of all, it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And praise the Lord for that, right? And just a chapter ago, there's a dead man. And Jesus shows up and says, Come out. And now he's alive. And this living man says, they made, There they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Here's the issue here. There's a lot of people who get a religious experience and then they want to go serve God and they want to work and work and work and work and then they fizzle out. And I've seen this happen with deacons. I've seen it happen with pastors. I've seen it happen with Christians who get saved. Things are good. They work themselves to death and after a year and a half of being saved, they're out of church because they go, I'm just, I'm burnt out. How many have ever heard that? Burnt out. But I love what Lazarus does. The man was dead, now he's alive. And know the first thing he's wanting to do? And he was one that sat at the table with Jesus. He wants to sit there in the presence of God. What should be happening to us as we mature more and more in our Christian walk is not so much that we learn how to do more things for God, but that we learn the simplicity of what it means to just be with God. To be in His presence. We find Martha once more serving the guests, serving her brother who's now alive. She's at the same house once more. Once more, finds herself serving 
Not at the table. Not at his feet. Verse 3. And this is going to be our focus. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this, for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. There's two things that happen with Mary, but it's really one thing, and it's the needful thing, and it's worship. Worship at the feet of Jesus. It says, first of all, she took a pound of ointment. The idea and the measurement of a pound during this is that they had these jars that were never really meant to be broken. And if it was all going to be poured out, it had to be broken to all be poured out. It had a, a long neck. In order to pour it all out, it would be broken. So all of what was in would be poured out. But a pound was that of, of about a liter, Right? Now, you know what, two liters like that, right? It's a liter of, of oil, spikenard, of, of this incense, of this expensive oil, which oftentimes came from the far east. As a matter of fact, the amount that she has is more than likely that of about nearly seven years worth of earnings and labor. Seven years worth. And what she has decided is that in this moment, every ounce of saving, every ounce of work she's ever had for this precious ointment. All of it is for Him. Look at this. We have, first of all, an unreserved worship. In this, there is not one ounce of herself or the ointment, the very costly ointment of the spikenard that she, not one of it, not an ounce of herself, not an ounce of this, or a drop of this ointment. Not any of it has she held back from the Lord. It's all His. Every bit of it. I'm thoroughly convinced that God would do mightier things than we could imagine if we lived our Christian life in such a way as we would be broken in our vessel to where everything had to come out for the Lord. And I'm afraid that so much of what happens in my own walk and in the life of an average church that loves God often loves to only give Him in reserves. Almost as if God can't handle all that we are. Oh, He sure can. As a matter of fact, what happens to us is that we give God on Sunday mornings, right? Then the extra ones, we, we maybe give Him a little bit more if we're there for the sunny night or the Wednesday night. And then we certainly say we're giving him extra if we, if we tithed and we gave some extra to mission group or, or to this or, or if we helped out with a ministry. Now we're certainly giving. 
But I would say that most of us do not understand the full power of God in our lives that could be there if we were to simply give everything to Him. Everything in worship. Everything through worship. Everything by worship. That as you go to work tomorrow, worship. As you rest tonight, worship. That everything is to Him and for Him. And if you look in the other accounts of the Gospel, here it says that she anointed the feet of Jesus, which is a very humiliating and humbling thing. To wash the feet of somebody, let alone now you're not just washing with some soap and some water. Now you're taking all that you've earned for seven years and you're pouring it out. But if you look at the other accounts of the Gospels, it says that she also anointed His head as well. The idea is that all of Him, head to toe, Worthy of worship. That from head to toe, all that He is, all that He has done, all that He ever will do, is worthy of all that we are and all that we can give. Everything. Granted, here in John, he discusses, he says, let alone that she against the day, let her alone against the day of my bearing hath she kept this, because the day that they come there to find a dead Jesus in a closed tomb to anoint His body, He's gone. The stone's rolled away and He's not there. So they're not going to have to do that on that fourth day when He starts stinking. Why? Because He's resurrected. So what do we find here? What she's doing now is a picture of victory. What she's doing now for Him is a picture of the fact that He is the conqueror and He hasn't even gone on the cross yet. That He's God. He's never changed. He is who He is. Just as much God when He was in heaven, just as much God when He came into this world and was born of a virgin, just as much God when He died on the cross, just as much God when He rose from the dead, and just as much God as He is here in this moment. And you find that here He is in a room full of people, but there's one that sees the great need. Certainly more than likely when he had came into that house already, his feet had been washed, possibly even by Martha, who was such a good servant. But there's something more to be done. A total giving of all that one has to all that he is. Unreserved worship. She doesn't hold a drop back. I would ask us tonight, what are we holding back from the Lord? What are we keeping in reserve? What are we choosing not to give Him all of us of? What are we so afraid to give Him all of us of? Why are we so afraid to just let, let go of everything and go, Lord, this is all Yours. Every dime in a bank account, every drop of gas in my gas tank, every mile I'll travel, every book you'll read, every job you'll do, every place you'll go, everything must be given to Him. I would find this, that we would be much more free in our Christian life and walk if we were to live a life of surrender as she does in this moment. Not only is this unreserved worship, but it is unashamed worship. Perhaps we give the Lord all that we are, and that's wonderful, but sadly many of us, even in a church service, have worship that is still full of some shame. What I mean by this is that when she worships unashamedly, look at this. She anoints the feet of Jesus 
there's conversation going on, and she gets down and she starts pouring oil on his head, on his feet. And then what does she say she does? Doesn't say she got a nice rag, a, a Swiffer wet jet. She uses her own hair. And this was incredibly precious, and we don't understand this anymore. For a woman in this time, she would have her hair covered, have it up, she uncovers it, lets it down, and uses what would be so precious to a woman during this day to clean something that is viewed as dirty. Something that dust and dirt was on just moments before he walked in the house. That she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. To attend to the feet was the task of the most lowly slave. Thus Mary's action denoted great humility as well as great devotion. Sadly, so many of us are far too dignified to really worship the Lord. Sadly, some of us are so dignified in church service that we dare say amen or hallelujah, praise God, or lift up holy hands. Sadly, some of us are so dignified that if anyone else in the church house does do it, we break our necks to see who it was and why they would do such. <laughs> we hear more necks cracking than we do in amen. <laughs> you see, we laugh because we know it's true. But this woman, in the middle of a room full of people, does not care about her dignity. Does not care about her precious ointment. Does not care about her precious hair. She cares about her precious Savior. And the difference between those that are mightily used of God and those that merely exist as a Christian is that those who are mightily used of God see the preciousness of their Savior. Worship at His feet is never wasteful. Judas there goes, well, couldn't we have sold this for 300 pence here? We could have fed all the poor and all this. Now, granted, I love what John does. John says, well, he didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. He held the money bag. He's going to take some off the top. Right? The poor is getting 200. Judas is getting 100. Right? You see, we can often disguise our wicked hearts by all the business. Well, I fed the poor. I clothed the poor. I helped the poor. I did this and I did that. But let me ask you, you can do all those things and miss sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yesterday, there was a gentleman at the Southern Baptist Convention, their national convention meeting, and this gentleman uh, is a very well-known author, sold millions of books, pastored the largest Southern Baptist church. And I know we're not Southern Baptists tonight, right? But it's important to note that this is someone who is viewed as a Christian leader. They're retiring from their church and someone is taking over. More specifically, a husband and a wife are going to be co-pastors of that church. And he stood up as he spoke at this national meeting and talked about how it was he, who had sent tens of thousands 
of baptisms, tens of thousands of believers, tens of thousands of disciples, over a million pastors trained by Him and said, I've done more than all the seminaries combined. I say that because how many times we can say, I did this, I did that, I did that, I did that. We miss the whole focus is not what did I accomplish? But who did I worship? Who did I sit at? Whose feet did I anoint? Who, whose feet did I kiss and wipe with my hair? Who did I humbly surrender my all to? You see, much like that ointment, much like that spikenard, the greatest thing for a believer it's not so much that we would sit and be filled. And not so much that we would run around the house serving, working away. But that we would be filled to be poured out. And notice what happens when she pours this out and wipes and serves and worships the Lord. And this is important. The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. If you know this, you can be showered and have on deodorant, right? Both are good things. But if you go and work a long day, what's going to happen come that evening? Especially if you've been working out in the hot sun, what happens? You're going to stink again, right? And that brings itself another odor, doesn't it? But what we notice this, when we pour out all that we are for all that He is, it brings an odor as well. But it says the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And this is much more than just the sweet-smelling ointment that she had collected for years. This is the odor, the savor, the wafting smell of worship in the presence of God. Church houses used to be known for the presence of God in them. When you would walk in the back of the church, you ever been in a service? Let me ask you. You ever walked into a church service and you knew God was there? You, you just, or, and then maybe you walk out, go to the bathroom, you, you come back in and you're like, boom, it, it's on, right? The Lord is here. I believe the reason why we find ourselves in such a shape that we're in is not that God has abandoned us, but rather we have forgotten the needful thing. We often hear the phrase, and it's common for many to use and to say, and it's not necessarily wrong, keep the main thing the main thing. Well, if we understand the main thing is the one needful thing, and that is Christ, and being at His feet and being in His presence, then everything else will work itself out. I would love more than anything you would probably love this as well. We, we would love, certainly, to have pews filled, wouldn't we? Right? It'd be nice to have people back in their places that aren't here anymore, or maybe that had left, or maybe new folks that need saving to, to find their place. But there is something even far greater that I would rather see than filled pews. And that is for this place to be a place 
and my own heart to be a place where you know the presence of God has filled that place. What is more needful for us today? More activity? More people? Or more time in the presence of our Savior? More time with ourself just simply going, I need to be at His feet. and I need to worship and know Him. The place to be and the place where we're going must be the same. The place that we're going must be the place to be, which is at the feet of Christ. There's no greater thing that you can do or be at than at His, at his feet. All true learning and abiding in His Word and His worth takes place as we worship at His feet. As we see the preciousness of our Savior. May we not miss His presence over the busyness that we often have in our personal life and in the life of our church. Because we can do many things without ever being filled, without ever being at His feet. We will never actually be poured out as a living sacrifice for Him. The great thing that we should desire and this place would be that much like that house on that day, that this would be a place filled with the odor of the ointment. Filled with the odor, the presence of Almighty God. For your own heart. For your home. And for this church. We find three things and we're done. In Luke 10.39, Mary learned. She sat there at the feet of Jesus and heard His Word. Right? She learns. We need that. There's a filling that takes place there. But then look at John 11.32. Just a few verses beforehand, in verse 20 of chapter 11, of John chapter 11, Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Notice that. But Mary sat, sat still in the house. But then over a few verses in verse 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And then over in chapter 12, verse 3, we find that Mary worshipped. There is a learning and a surrender and worship that must take place at Jesus' feet long before, long before we ever get to the work of God. If we want to do the work of God, what we need more than anything is the work of God in us. What we need is to sit and abide and worship like Mary to then be able to get up and to go work like Martha. The issue is this, though, that we often go to an extreme one or the other, and yet what we find is that true faith gets filled to be poured out 
not just for the sake of being poured out for other people. Because what you do for the Lord is not for other people, it's for the Lord. So when you get poured out, it must never be being poured out for other people, but rather to be poured out for the Lord because all that we must do and all that we are must be for Him. My prayer is that tonight, as we move into this time of busyness, as we just go about day-to-day life, that we would make it a point every day, that we would make it a point that as we move forward in ministry, and busyness of things. That we understand the greatest thing that we can do. And all that we do must be done at the feet of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this night. We thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, we can come to you. We can abide in you. We can abide with you and we can be in your presence. God, I pray that as we are moving forward as a church, and as individuals, God, that we would make sure that everything that we do will be done by you, through you, and for you. And God, that we would understand the preciousness of our Savior. We would understand His worth. We would understand the simplicity of faithful living and the faithful Christian life. God, help our lives to be living sacrifices. Help us to be full of worship, not just in word, but in our hearts our mind, and all that we are that we might be poured out for You to give You glory and honor. Lord, go before us, go with us, and use us. Lord, fill us, God, so that we might be poured out for You in this world that needs to hear the Gospel, that needs to see what it means to know You so that we might make You known as well, God. Thank You for meeting with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Y'all are dismissed. We hope you have a 